This is Tony Johnson for Inheron.org Soundbites. I'm here today with Laura Callanan, the founder of Upstart Collab. We're here to discuss art and what impact investing's got to do with it. Hi, Laura. Hey, Tony. How are you? Very good. So, Laura, let's start by you just giving us a general overview of what Upstart Collab is, how it got started, and why this is such an exciting project for you. Well, Upstart Collab is a new national collaboration connecting artists, impact investors, and social entrepreneurs to create opportunities for artist innovators to deliver social impact at scale. We were talking a little bit earlier about art and this idea that we have that artists are nice but economically viable. Can you talk a little bit about what being a social entrepreneur means for an artist context? Absolutely. So there are artists who are working on all the same topics and issues that other social entrepreneurs are working on. Robert Karimi, the People's Cook, connects theater and cooking to promote health and well-being in communities of color. Aurora Robson is a visual artist who takes plastic and recycles trash into beautiful installations that look like spun glass. Theaster Gates is a name that people know in the community development field. He's in Chicago, where he's been transforming empty, abandoned buildings in the South Side into arts-oriented community centers. So there are examples of artists working all across the country on all, all types of themes, the same topics that other social entrepreneurs focus on. Gregory Sale in Arizona identifies himself as a criminal justice activist. His installation, It's Not Just Black and White, was fabricated with the help of inmates from the local jail, and the installation in the museum became an opportunity for community conversations that connected judges, parole officers, public defenders, victims' families, formerly incarcerated people to talk about the status of the criminal justice system and how it can be improved. So artists are working in all the same things that other social entrepreneurs care about. Artists are also innovators, and they've been innovating in the commercial sphere. We just don't always recognize it. Perry Chen, one of the founders of Kickstarter, is a musician and a visual artist. Two of the founders of Airbnb graduated from the Rhode Island School of Design. Just even here at the Heron Foundation, Clara Miller started as a visual artist at the University of New Hampshire and went on to innovate in the field of community finance by creating nonprofit finance fund and now here at, at Heron, really changing the role of foundations in terms of blending grant making and investing in a way that's never been done before. Rodney Christopher, also here, has a background in dance and theater, has been a screenwriter, and again, here he is innovating in community development finance. And me. <laughs> I have a background in theater. That's all really interesting, and my understanding from talking to you earlier is that one of the things, as you list all of these people doing all of this forward-looking, community-level work is the need for finance and capital the same way other social entrepreneurs do. Can you talk a little bit about how this is sort of unfolding uh, as you go forward with this project? Absolutely. Any social entrepreneur needs capital, skills, networks, access to markets, and artist social entrepreneurs are no different. Uh, what we're finding is that there are are not today mission-related investment opportunities for funders and investors who want to support art and creativity through their investment portfolio. 
And if we can close that gap, it will allow funders who want to support creativity to have a place to, to put their, their resources, and it will enable artists, social entrepreneurs to really scale up what they do. So at Upstart, one of our goals is to unleash more capital for creativity. And we're approaching it in three ways. We're trying to take existing products that are already there in the impact investing space and tweak them and adapt them for art and creativity. So as one example, we've been in conversations with the Calvert Foundation about their community investment note product and what it would look like if we opened a new theme focused on creative placemaking. Creative placemaking is community development that's catalyzed by artists and arts organizations. Another approach that we're taking is to plug arts and creativity into the existing system for impact investing. We've been talking with B-Lab about what it would look like to integrate the concepts around creative intelligence, competencies of creative intelligence into the standards for B corporations. And we're also looking to sort of shiftize the connection between concepts like creativity and sustainability. So working with Oberlin College and Arizona State University, we're about to launch a series of conversations between academics and practitioners from the fields of creativity and sustainability to understand how creativity can move forward, fill gaps, and overcome challenges. So how do we sort of flip around this bad rap that art seems to have in the American psyche about its utility in the economy writ large? And I, and I know we don't necessarily want to get into education too much, but can you talk a little bit more about how we can sort of think about fostering creativity as part of our education process instead of having it be off to the side? Well, I think one of the, the really positive things that's happened in the last couple of years is CEOs are recognizing the importance of creativity and recognizing that they want a creative workforce. So the conference board working with Americans for the Arts did a survey of CEOs a few years back and found that creativity was one of the top five characteristics that CEOs know they need to have in their employee base. Forrester recently did a similar type of survey with global CEOs and again came back recognizing that creativity was one of the top characteristics that's going to be important for business going forward. Particularly in a place like the United States where we're not an agrarian economy anymore, we're not a manufacturing economy, we're an ideas economy. So where do the ideas come from? You see examples where John Maida, who had been the president of the Rhode Island School of Design, was the first venture partner with Kleiner Perkins, one of the big venture capital funds, the first venture partner who was a designer. And now there are 12, 15 designers who are in lead roles with venture capital firms all up and down Sand Hill Road. So I think that if we look at the demand for creative intelligence and design thinking, if we recognize the examples of what artists are already doing, what designers are already doing, the companies they're starting. There are B corporations like Jenny Splendid Ice Creams, started by Jenny Britton Bauer. Jenny trained as a visual artist as well and has found that ice cream, that food, is really the vehicle through which she's expressing her creativity. I think if we look at those examples and we have sort of that set of stories and data, that that's going to disabuse this assumption that artists are, are doing something nice but not necessary. I think increasingly people are recognizing that bringing artists into important conversations, including conversations around topic like, topics like climate change, is very important to having an optimistic outlook about how we can overcome some of the challenges that we're facing today. 
I like this idea of nice but necessary. And I love that you brought up climate change because I really do think that it's a, a problem that will require all of our creativity and imagination to survive. Is there anything else you have top of mind that you'd like to say to our listeners? Any lessons learned or passing thoughts? So I don't think you can put artists in a box. And there's an artist named Matt Moore. He's a fourth-generation family farmer. He was one of the folks leading his family farm, but he's also a filmmaker, a visual artist. And I've just followed his path over the last five years. So he has museum exhibitions, but he also now is looking to address the questions around sustainable food through a uh, affordable $20 a plate farm to table restaurant in the in the Phoenix area. The idea that sustainable food, organic food is not just for people who can afford to go to some of the ritzy uh, restaurants in the Bay Area, but it should be something that people can do once a week as a matter of course for the entire family. So here's someone who self-identifies as an artist, has been using his art to address questions and issues that he sees as a farmer and is now becoming an entrepreneur to find another way to work on these same issues. And obviously the the way the restaurant's being designed and the way the project's being conceived is a little bit different because he's bringing his artist mindset to it. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Laura. Thanks, Tony. For Heron.org, this is Tony Johnson.